brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that sends 5% of your monthly plan price to your favorite charity. No contracts, nationwide coverage, risk-free guarantee. Learn more at CharityMobile.com. This week, we had Bishop Athanasius Schneider make some very uh, spicy accusations against Francis and the effect the Synod of Synodality is having on the Church. This week, we also had Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano make an announcement about some very much-needed direct action he is going to take. None too soon for in the minds of many. And this all brought me back to Archbishop Lefebvre. And I thought it would be a good time to revisit another one of his historic sermons. This one comes from the 4th of July in 1976 in Acone, Switzerland. Here you're going to hear him talk about, again, what the mission of the SSPX was. And at this time, the SSPX were kind of in a even weirder position than they are now. If you're not aware, his seminary and the founding of the Society of St. Pius X were granted permission by a, the local bishop in Switzerland. They later revoked it, of course, after pressure from Rome because they couldn't. Rome could not have even a single priestly fraternity of traditional priests that existed in the church. But here you will hear what the purpose of their action was. This is not a rah-rah, SSPX, hooray kind of thing. This is more of a, something that is food for thought, given everything we see going on now, especially this action we've seen in the last few days. And I suspect more action from more bishops, at least I hope so. Dated 4th of July, 1976. Dear Brothers, It is not in this exhibition hall that your first mass should have taken place, you being a child of this city. It is in a large and beautiful church of the city of Geneva that you should have celebrated this ceremony so dear to the hearts of all the Catholics of Geneva. But as Providence has decided otherwise, here you are before the crowd of your friends, of your relatives, of those who want to share your joy in the honor which God has done you of being his priest, a priest forever. The history of your vocation is the implementation of a plan. And I shall say what our plan is. You were born of Protestant parents in the city of Geneva, and in childhood and youth you followed the teaching of the Protestant religion. You were well educated, and you had a profession which gave you all the world can hope for here below. Then, all of a sudden, touched by the grace of God for the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary, you abruptly decided, under the influence of that grace, to direct yourself to the true church, the Catholic Church. And you desired not only to become a Catholic, but also to become a priest. I can still see you arriving for the first time at Icone, and I confess that it was not without a certain apprehension that I received you. Asking myself if so rapid a passage from Protestantism to the desire of becoming a Catholic priest was not an inspiration with no future. That is the reason why you stayed some time at Icone, reflecting more deeply on the desire within you, your aspiration to the priesthood. We all admired your perseverance, your will to reach that goal, despite your age, despite a certain weariness of ecclesiastical studies, of the study of philosophy, theology, scripture, canon law, for you were a scientist. And now, by God's grace, after those years of study at a cone, you have received the grace of sacerdotal ordination. It seems to me that difficult for anyone who has not received the grace to realize what the grace of priesthood is. As I said to you a few days ago at the time of ordination, you can no longer say that you are a man like other men. That is not true. You are no longer a man like other men. Henceforth, you are marked with a sacerdotal character, which is something ontological, which marks your soul and puts it above the faithful. 
Yes, whether you are a saint or, which God forbid, whether you are like priests who are perhaps alas in perdition, they still have the sacerdotal character. This sacerdotal character unites you to our Lord Jesus Christ, to the priesthood of our Lord Jesus Christ in a very special way, a participation which the faithful cannot have, and that is what permits you, which will permit you in a few moments, to pronounce the words of consecration of Holy Mass, and in a way to make God obey your order, your words. At your words, Jesus Christ will come personally, physically, substantially, under the species of the bread and wine. He will be present on the altar, and you will adore him. You will kneel to adore him, to adore the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what the priest is. What an extraordinary reality. We need to be in heaven, and even in heaven we shall understand what the priest is. Is it not St. Augustine who says, Were I to find myself before a priest and an angel, I should salute the priest first, before the angel. So then, here you are, become a priest. I said that the history of your vocation is a whole plan. It is our plan. That is profoundly true because we have the Catholic faith and we are not afraid to affirm our faith. I know that our Protestant friends who are perhaps here in this assembly approve of us. They approve of us. They need to feel the presence amongst them of Catholics who are Catholics and not of Catholics who appear to be in full accord with them on points of faith. One does not deceive one's friends. We cannot deceive our Protestant friends. We are Catholics. We affirm our faith in the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ. We affirm our faith in the divinity of the Holy Catholic Church. We think that Jesus Christ is the sole way, the sole truth, the sole life, and that one cannot be saved outside our Lord Jesus Christ, and consequently outside his mystical spouse, the Holy Catholic Church. No doubt the graces of God are distributed outside the Catholic Church, but those who are saved, even outside the Church, are saved by the Catholic Church, by our Lord Jesus Christ, even if they do not know it, even if they are not aware of it. For it is our Lord Jesus Christ himself who said, You can do nothing without me. You cannot come to the Father without going by me. So you cannot come to God without going by me. When I shall be lifted up from the earth, says our Lord Jesus Christ, meaning he will be on his cross, I shall draw all souls to me. Only our Lord Jesus Christ, being God, could say such things. No man here below can speak as our Lord Jesus Christ has spoken, because he alone is the Son of God. He is our God. He is our Lord. He is the Most High, our Lord Jesus Christ. It is for that Ocone remains in being. It is for that that a cone exists, because we believe that what the Catholics have taught, what the popes have taught, what the councils have taught for 20 centuries, we cannot possibly abandon. We cannot possibly change our faith. We have our credo, and we will keep it till we die. We cannot change our credo. We cannot change the holy sacrifice of the Mass. We cannot change our sacraments, changing them into human works, purely human, which no longer carry the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is because, in fact, we feel and are convinced that in the last 15 years, something has happened in the Church. Something has happened in the Church, which has introduced into the highest summits of the Church, and to those who ought to defend our faith, a poison, which makes them adore the golden calf of this age, adore, in some sense, the errors of this age. To adopt the world, they wish to adopt also the errors of the world. By opening onto the world, they wish also to open themselves to the errors of the world, those errors which say, for example, that all religions are of equal worth. We cannot accept that. Those errors which say that the social reign of our Lord Jesus Christ is now an impossibility and should no longer be sought. We do not accept that. Even if the reign of our Lord Jesus Christ is difficult, we want it. We seek it. We say every day in our Father, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If his will were done below as it is done in heaven, imagine what it would be like if God's will were really done here below as it is done in heaven. It would be paradise on earth. 
That is the reign of our Lord, which we seek, which we have desire with all our strength, even if we never achieve it. And because God has asked that from us, even if we have to shed our blood for that kingdom, we are ready. And that is what the priests are whom we form at a cone. Priests who have the Catholic faith. Priests such as have always been formed. Do you not think there is something inconceivable, unbelievable? Take my example, which is like yours. I have now been a priest for 50 years and a bishop for 30. That means I was a bishop before the council, a priest before the council. In my career as priest and bishop, I was made responsible for the formation of priests. In the beginning, when I went as a missionary to Gabon, I was appointed to the seminary of Gabon in equatorial Africa. I formed priests, one of whom became a bishop. I was recalled to France, and again I was appointed to form seminarians in the seminary of Mortain with the Holy Ghost Fathers. I then went back as Bishop of Dakar in Senegal. I set myself again to form good priests, of whom two are bishops, and one has just been named Cardinal. And when I was at Montaigne in France, I formed seminarians, one of whom is now Bishop of Cayenne. So amongst my pupils, I have four bishops, one of them a cardinal. I formed my seminarians at a cone exactly as I've always formed my seminarians for 30 years. And now, all of a sudden, we are condemned, almost excommunicated thrown out of the Catholic Church in disobedience to the Catholic Church because I have done the same thing that I have done for 30 years. Something has happened in Holy Church. It is not possible. I have changed not one iota in my formation of seminarians. On the contrary, I have added a deeper and stronger spirituality because it seemed to me a certain spiritual formation was lacking in young priests, as in fact many have abandoned the priesthood. Many, alas, have given the world a palling scandal in their leaving of the priesthood. So it seemed to me necessary to give these priests a deeper, stronger, more courageous spiritual formation to enable them to face difficulties. So something has happened in the church, the church since the council, already some time before the council, during the council, and throughout the reforms, has chosen to take a new direction, to have her new priests, her new priesthood, a new type of priest, as has been said. She has chosen to have a new sacrifice of the mass, or rather, let us say, a new Eucharist. She has chosen to have a new catechism. She has chosen to have new seminarians. She has chosen to reform her religious congregations. And what have we now come to? A few days ago, I read in a German paper that in the last few years, there are three million fewer practicing Catholics in Germany. Cardinal Marty himself, who he also who condemns us, Cardinal Marty, Archbishop of Paris, has said that mass attendance is down 50% in his diocese since the council. Who will say that the fruits of the council are marvelous fruits of holiness, fervor, and growth of the Catholic Church? They have chosen to embrace the errors of the world. They have chosen to embrace the errors which come to us from classical liberalism, and which come to us, alas, it must be said, from those who lived here four centuries ago, from those reformers who have spread liberal ideas throughout the world, and those ideas have at last penetrated to the interior of the church. This monster which is at the interior of the church must disappear, so the church may find her own nature again, her own authenticity, her own identity. That is what we are trying to do, and it is why we continue. We do not want to be destroyers of the church. If we stop, we shall be certain, convinced that we are destroying the church, as those are engaged in destroying her who are steeped in that false idea. And so we wish to go on with the con construction of the church. We cannot do better to get the church built than to make these priests, these young priests, showing always the example of a deep Catholic faith, of an immense charity. I think I can say that it is we who have a true charity toward Protestants, toward all those who do not have our faith. If we believe our Catholic faith, if we are convinced that God has really given his graces to the Catholic Church, we have the desire of sharing our riches with our friends, giving them to our friends. If we are convinced that we have the truth, we should exert ourselves to make it known that the truth can benefit our friends as well. It is a failure in charity to hide one's truth, to hide one's personal riches and not let those profit from them who do not have their own. 
Why have missions? Why set off to distant countries to convert souls? If not because one is certain of having the truth and desirous of sharing the graces received with those who have not yet received them. It is indeed our Savior who said, Go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. He that believeth shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be condemned. That is what our Savior said. Strengthened by these words, we continue our apostolate, trusting in providence. It is not possible that this condition of the church should remain indefinitely. This morning, in the lessons which Holy Church has read us, we read the story of David and Goliath. I thought to myself, should we not be the young David with his sling and a few stones which he found in the stream to strike down Goliath, clad in special armor with a sword capable of splitting his enemy in two? Well, who knows if a cone is not the little stone which will, be, which will finish by destroying Goliath. Goliath believed in himself. David believed in God and invoked God before attacking Goliath. That is what we are doing. We are full of confidence in God, and we pray to God to help us strike down this giant who believes in himself, who believes in his armor, his muscles, and his weapons. That means the men who believe in themselves, who believe in their science, who believe that by human means we shall succeed in converting the world. As for us, we put our trust in God, and we hope that this Goliath who has penetrated into the interior of the church will one day be struck down, and that the church will truly discover her authenticity, her truth such as she has always had. Oh, the church has always had it. She does not will to perish, and we hope precisely to cooperate with that vitality of the church and that continuity of the church. I am convinced that these young priests will continue the church. That is what we are asking them to do, and we are sure that with the grace of God and the help of the Blessed Virgin Mother Mary, they will succeed. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And that was a homily given by Archbishop Lefebvre at a consecration of priests in July, on the 4th of July, 1976. Has much changed since then? Is there anything you really think that has changed since then? That almost sounds like he could give that today, and it would be just as true today. 45 years, 47 years later, it's just as true today as he gave it in 1976, 15 years after the council. There's a lot of implications in that. Is the movement for the restoration of the authentic faith better now than it was then? Or is it in worse shape? Curious what you think about that. So let me know in the comments, please. And like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. So to sharing this on social media. That helps a lot, too. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.